Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Since 1984, Max's Garage, located at 1010 South Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas, has been your one-stop shop for all of your auto repair needs, including tune-ups, oil changes, transmission repairs, and even body work. Stop by or give them a call today at 870-942-4612. Again, that's 870-942-4612. going on Arkansas Razorback fans, SEC fans everywhere. Welcome to the Hog Talk Podcast. I am Ty Hudson, the Friday host. Alongside me, as per usual, Mr. Kyle Sutherland. My man, how you doing down in Central Arkansas? Doing fabulous, man. We've uh, started to begin to see that light at the end of the tunnel. As Governor Hutchinson said, as of May 11th, we will be back in restaurants at least at 33% capacity see how that goes so we're starting to slowly but surely get back to normal and i for one could not be happier oh my gosh um people need to get back to work i mean that's just it goes without saying i know but um you know if you if you pay much attention to social media you have a lot of people that seem to think otherwise we need to stay completely shut down i guess until we're no longer afraid i i really you know i i, I don't I, I'm not a scientist, not a doctor, don't have any PhDs or anything, but I, I, I do know one thing, and you and I talked about this before we started recording. Jobs are being lost, poverty rate's going to grow, uh, and you can bet that's going to be a huge, huge problem, and we really need to get back to work. We need to need to get back to it. Yeah, the unemployment rate's over $30 million at this point, and it's kind of getting to the point where, and I know I've said in previous episodes that it's going to be a while. It's going to be way later than sooner before a vaccine comes around. And just from a, I mean, not really not even a political standpoint, you got to think about it from, and I know that we're thinking about it from a humane standpoint by social distancing and staying at home. Mm -hmm. But at what point does it get where more people are going to die from pretty much starvation? And as you said, poverty, than it would be the virus itself. I mean, it's, we go outside every day, and some people may think this is a bad comparison, but it, it's real. We go out every day risking ourselves getting in a car where you could die or just in general. There's so many ways we could, and you can't just sit around forever and let this to continuously kill the economy every single day. But with that being said, I, I like that that meme that you shared yesterday on Facebook that is essentially I don't I don't know exactly what those things are called, but all the circles tie in together. Like one said, mm-hmm. uh, worrying about 
some uh, political authoritarian laws being put into place, but also being concerned about being precautious about the virus. It was four different things that you can be all of those all at once. You don't have to be on one side of the political spectrum and then on the other side. Right. But really what it boils down to is just continue to wash your hands, keep your distance, just but do that in general. We should have done that long, long before. That's the thing, and I've said that too so many times. Yeah. That's people don't want to be. I mean, I don't want to be touched unless it's maybe somebody giving me a hug or a handshake. Which handshakes, of course, are are going to be a thing of the past, or at least for the next couple of years until we really slowly get back into normalcy. But like, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm with you though. It's we've got to. We've got to do something. I, I'm not necessarily saying that you got to start having these big crowds of concerts and sporting events necessarily. I mean, I definitely want sports back, but I'm not saying you can get a thousand people in a stadium. But if you're working in a cubicle, which a lot of those people are still at home, you can you can still social distance in that regard. But yeah. I, I do think that that Governor Hutchinson and our state officials have done a great job, and that was a good thing to start off at 33% capacity to get the restaurants back up. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and I know there's a lot of people listening right now that are like, okay, you guys don't, this isn't your thing, your sports. But uh, it is the state of Arkansas, and that was important. I think both of us, well, I know both of us wanted to share that. I, I'm going to say this, too. Uh, I follow a guy on, on Twitter. He's a libertarian comedian, Dave Smith. I love this guy. You'll see me retweet him from time to time. But he had a really good point today, as a matter of fact. He tweeted this earlier Um Thirty million people have applied for unemployment insurance since the lockdown. That's applications for insurance, not real unemployment. There will probably be fifty million people out of work when this whole thing is over. Still think questioning this shit is crazy. Pardon the language. Um, and again, what he's talking about is is the continued shutdown. And uh, there's a legitimate question as to when unemployment and the economy and its potential well not its potential it's massive drop because this is i don't know how much better or worse things are going to get i certainly don't think they're going to get better anytime soon until we open things back up but uh what's what's going to be 10 years from now what are we going to look back on as as the bigger hit you know and of course again like kyle said coronavirus is a big deal and it certainly needs to be taken serious i wear masks i do every time i go to walgreens down the road because that's about as far as i drive and that's like not even it's like half a mile down the road from where i live in springdale and i wear a mask i don't put on the gloves but i germex you know i i socially distance i do all that but i think you could still do that and open up the economy in certain places on a on a certain time scale not all at once you know, but certain areas should absolutely be allowed to open up, and I think Northwest Arkansas is definitely one of those places. All right, let's let's move on to sports and the good stuff. Um, Kyle, Arkansas basketball—we already knew must put together a hell of a class, but they move up to the number five ranked class in the country on updated rankings. Puts them uh, ahead of Michigan—that's for sure. Yeah, that's huge. You're at, I believe it was Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Tennessee, and then Arkansas. And Rick Barnes has done a phenomenal job uh, recruiting at Tennessee since he's been there and, and has done pretty well. Had an off year last year. Of course, they lost a lot from 2018 and 2019. But to be up there with the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Kentuckys, the elite of the elites, 
that's huge. Now, of course, Michigan did help them out by losing a couple of guys to that new G League formation deal that they're going to be uh, starting next season. But incredible job by by Coach Musselman and the staff, as we've continued to say. And they're, they're still really hitting the transfer portal hard. I, I actually heard yesterday or a couple of days ago when Danny West was talking with Michael Musselman, of course, Coach Musselman's son, the director of recruiting operations. They said that they have somebody basically every single day that just continuously hits refresh on the transfer portal because here we are in 2020 and we still don't have something that alerts them, apparently. You have to just continuously look at it. Now, I don't know if that necessarily means that they have like a GA constantly hitting refresh from 7A to 7P. I don't think that they would torture somebody like that. But that just shows how de- how devoted this staff is and some people have knocked him really since that was one of the first things that I heard people say negatively about him when he got hired as well. He doesn't really recruit his own players. He just gets the transfer market. Who cares? Okay. If, that's, if yeah. that gets you wins, <laughs> if that gets you wins, then really what does it matter? I mean, that's almost as dumb as the he should be wearing a suit instead of a polo. Oh, my God. So he is completely active, and he's he's got two more that, that he's reached out to this week. Of course, DeAndre Williams is, is a big man from Evansville. He's declared from for the draft, but he's seeking a transfer. He's not li- likely to get drafted, from what I read this morning. But he also, if since he's only a sophomore, he'll have to overcome the the uh, transfer rule of whether he'll be clear the NCAA and he'll have to sit out a year or not. After seeing what happened with Connor Vanover, it's not likely that they'll favor somebody that's wanting to go to Arkansas, and he'll more than likely have to sit out a year if he does go there or possibly anywhere. Uh, but then the other one is Javon Freeman Liberty from Valparaiso. He's a shooting guard, 19 points per game, 44% from the floor. And on the December 21st matchup against Arkansas and Little Rock, he had 18 points. So two pretty solid players. Uh, Williams, the one from Evansville, I mentioned, 18 point, or in, in 18 games, he was injured last, last season after the 18 games and averaged 15 points a game and seven boards and shot 65% from the field. So uh, two pretty quality players there. And as we've always seen really since Muss has been here and even during his entire college career, he is really hitting that transfer portal hard. It really just seems no matter where they come from that he's always looking into them. You know what I'm, I'm really excited about finding out with him? How much – of this first year, in my success, it was, excuse me, in my opinion, it was a success. Um, I don't know. I, I think you're probably somewhere in that same realm, too, of calling his first year a success. Uh, I, I know Jacob and, and Porter seem to be on that boat as well. How much of this first year was Musselman and how much of it was Mason Jones? Now, I don't mean based on simply the success they had. His game, Mason Jones, who goes from what 14, 15 points a game to twenty plus points a game for in, in just a you know in one year. Not that that's extremely unheard of, but it is somewhat unheard of. Uh, and I wonder how much of that is Musselman's development, how much of that was Mason Jones just putting in the hard work and overall just talent. You know, so is is it Mason Jones's raw talent in a mix of what Musselman was able to do? Or, or, or was it mostly muscle? That's what I'm excited to find out in the future. Do we see more of these kids come in and just get transformed? And, you know, in a single, maybe we see huge bumps from one year to the next, similar to what we saw with, you know, Bobby Portis, year one to year two. I mean, it was night and day. He was still a great freshman, but then his second year, we all know what Portis did. He was phenomenal. Um, 
I'm really excited to see that. But uh, speaking of Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe, again, you and I had talked about this as well, and you have something you wanted to share on this, but I the uh, the Athletic released a top 60 or, or their, their top 60 draft picks and according to an individual I believe was a media source and I want to say even had a blue checker mark I don't know if that really makes a difference to anybody or not but um, we seem to take those people more legitimate or, or take them at their word when they say things in the media and they've got a blue check mark of course we know how much that's burned us especially the last four years <clears throat> cough fake news but um they reported that neither Isaiah Joe or Mason Jones made that list. Neither one of them yeah. are in the top 60. So now, yeah. if that's true, all of a sudden, there could be a realistic possibility that you, Kyle, could be right when you said that both these kids come back next year. You think Isaiah Joe was going to leave if he's not top, at least top 50 pick? Well, I initially said, and I was thinking about this this morning, I, I didn't see the, the athletic article that you were referring to, but I did see the one Watch Stadium put out that it talked about all the guys that were either eligible as seniors or that have declared for the draft. And it was it went from, of course, the no-brainers that you need to go to split decision, NBA's intrigued, it's wise to return to school, of course, all the way down to you need to return. You're, not, you're basically not going to be drafted. And I, I am going to retract that because – Mason Jones is kind of at that point where I don't know 100. I think that he certainly should be drafted. I just don't know that he will be. But I just don't know where. And I said this to, to Porter a couple weeks ago when we were doing a pod on a on the Monday show. I just don't know what more he has to prove, especially now that yeah. there is going to be so much talent coming in. He's just kind of at a really tough spot because, yeah, he's an unbelievable player. And as I said, I think that many people outside of Arkansas believe that he should be drafted. But really, what else does he have to prove? All those games that he averaged, 30, it was what, 30? Or it was nine 30-point games and two or three 40-point games, two 40-point games. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, just unbelievable. So what else What else does he have to do? Now, Isaiah Joe, I still do believe he will come back. I, I will not falter on that until it is uh, it is signed, sealed, and delivered mm-hmm. that he gets an agent. I think that he will be coming back. I just don't think he's ready now. It doesn't really matter what I think. I'm not Isaiah Joe. I'm not his family. I'm not an NBA scout. But I just I think that really at the end of the day, he's going to have those right people, his support system in his ear, saying that you need to return for another year. And here's what Watch Stadium had to say. So they listed Mason Jones as a split decision. NBA execs are torn. And I'm reading this quote for quote. He had such an amazing year that I don't know if he can duplicate it. I think he goes somewhere from 45 to 60 NBA executive. I could not agree with that. That's basically exactly what I personally think. Another NBA executive said he should go back. He'll have a really good team and can improve his stock because so many people don't really know much about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of in the middle on that one based off what I had just said there just a second ago. And Isaiah Joe fell under the category of the NBA is intrigued, but it is wise to return to school. And just one NBA exec commented on that and said he'd probably get drafted because he can flat-out shoot, but he needs to put on weight. He needs to go back another year. I don't think there's any chance that he gets drafted. The only way that I would see that is if he goes to the NBA NBA Combine, which I think would have already happened by now. It's pretty much non-existent. won't happen because the draft is in June. And so um, with things starting to reopen in certain states, who knows, we might have one there right before but unless he were to just go there and light it up and impress a lot of people that really haven't seen him, seen what he can do, 
Uh, I just don't think there's any chance that he gets drafted. I, I do believe he would get drafted. I just don't think it would be where he'd want to be, you know. And I really think, and again, I I can't read his mind. I don't know his heart, but I really do believe he he believes he's a first round quality pick. Now, does that mean he'll if he does somehow get drafted? And, and again, I think that he probably will, just based on his his range. It's unbelievable, uh, but he's still got so much more. I think that needs to be developed as far as his game to even be considered. Uh, a first-round draft pick. Remember, NBC Sports, uh, this time a year ago, or maybe I think it was actually in the summer, they released, they had him as a a, a top 15 draft pick um, at one point. NBC Sports. I remember I shared that on the PTN live show. We talked about that over on YouTube. And no one was really surprised, you know, and, and then he goes off and he starts off really hot and then he just, you know, he gets injured and his game starts to really, we see something's wrong. His game looks like it's flattened out. And then we find out he had an injury. I, I absolutely agree. He needs to come back. I really do. And he needs to develop more of his game and he's got a high ceiling. I'll say that anybody with that kind of range. Absolutely. Anybody who could shoot like he can absolutely needs to come back. And it's, you know, I'm not even going to start to speculate on the 2020-2021 basketball season, like what's going to happen with him and all these new you know, the transfers and the top five class coming in with him, assuming he does come back. But I will say this. This team will look completely different without Isaiah Joe on the floor. And I know for a lot of people that goes without saying, but Jacob hit on this a lot, and he was absolutely right. Um but when he's on the floor, he creates so much space, and he's a problem. He's highlighted by the defense. Like this is a guy we absolutely have to, we have to keep him off the perimeter. We have to chase him and defend him out on the perimeter. We have to be in his face. And then when they don't, they have to back off and they have to change their scheme a little bit. And they have to, they they cannot. They, they all of a sudden you have all this spacing on the floor. That's what Isaiah Joe creates. If Isaiah Joe doesn't come back next year for Arkansas. I, I'm not saying that that, oh, now you're not a tournament team. I'm not saying that. There's too much talent coming back to say something like that or too much too much talent coming in, and you've got some pretty good players, I think, who started to develop it towards the end of the year, like Ethan Henderson. you got him coming back. Who knows where his game will be at a whole offseason under, uh, under Muss, assuming things get back to normal. It's been a very unorthodox offseason for all the sports, obviously, but uh, I really think that if he comes back, oh, my God. And I know, again, that goes without saying, but there are so many people that believe we don't need him back. You're a tournament team. You're an automatic tournament team with this type of recruiting. With that top five class, you're an automatic tournament bid. With all the guys coming back next year, you know, without Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones, you'll still be fine. I'm saying that might be true, but it's still going to be it's going to be drastically different in how they approach things without Isaiah Joe on the court. But – yeah, I I have a hard time seeing Isaiah Joe, um, assuming he gets that. If he continues to be graded outside of of, of you know the top fifty, top forty five, I, I don't see him leaving. You know, because I do believe that he thinks in his mind that he's a first round caliber player, and uh, he hasn't of course hired got an a, agent yet either. By the way, yeah, and, you, and you've got to you got to have that mentality. So I I one hundred percent believe he does too, but. Think about it, as I just said, Mason Jones really doesn't have a whole lot more to prove with what is coming in and what is coming back. Isaiah Joe can prove a whole lot more. Got Jalen Tate coming in that will 
presumably play a pretty similar role to what Jimmy Witt yeah, played last yeah. year, uh, probably with a much prettier shot. Not that Jimmy Witt didn't have a lot of <laughs> baskets go in. It was just an ugly shot. It was an but ugly shot. you got him coming. So Jalen Tate's coming. You got a guy that's that's six nine and Vance Jackson that's going to stretch the floor. You're going to have Connor Vanover and Ethan Henderson down low. There's just going to be so much more to where Isaiah Joe will not have just people keying on him, and Mason Jones won't have people. They're they're going to have to be, be looking at guys all over the floor his, as opposed to just two or three different players. His game thrived when he had a big in the paint. When he had a true big in the paint. When he had Daniel Gafford. I mean. You, and not to say that he didn't start off the second his second year on fire, and a lot of that was because of the level of competition they were playing wasn't exactly great. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, beating Indiana was huge, and uh, a road win against any non non conference power five is huge, like what you got against Georgia Tech, and he had some big numbers in some of these games. Um, but his game, it seems to me like, and this should probably be the most obvious thing in the world, wow, what do you know? A shooter who shoots as well as he does benefits from having a true uh, rebounding, you know, distraction, uh, second-chance shot opportunity center or forward playing in the paint. Wow, what do you know? He actually benefits from that, of course. Last year, you didn't have as much size underneath and um look what happened i mean his numbers weren't anywhere near what he did his freshman year well i say that but you know his game didn't seem to be as where we thought it would be when he had daniel gafford versus when he didn't have daniel gafford but i'm with you i agree he's finally going to have some size underneath you're going to have connor vanover playing underneath the nets on the defensive side of the ball um along with Ethan Henderson and, and Williams, you're going to have size underneath. You're finally going to be able, not only just one guy, you're going to be able to rotate a couple of guys in and out inside, and you're not going to put as much pressure on your guards to have to make something happen. You're finally going to have some underneath play. I can't, I'm, I, God, 2020 has to get back to normal, Kyle. We need basketball. We need sports. We need everything. I mean, just, man, we, think about where we'd be at with baseball right now. We're getting close to the STC tournament. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. And you know, it, it, we we've preached time and time again about how yeah, like we want sports to be back, but it, it's becoming more and more clear of well, not really more clear, but there's starting to be more talk of possibly no college football. I don't think I, I still stand by that it's going to be just maybe in a non-traditional way. But man, it's terrifying for me to think about the the financial loss for universities if that is to not happen. That's why I just don't see that. Th- there's no way that it doesn't happen. At, l- at least not at all. In one way, and again, or it's it, yeah. it's going to be yeah. It's going to happen whether it starts in October. And I know I'm opening up a whole new can of worms on a new subject, but it's going to happen whether it's in October, November, or if they don't play with any fans whatsoever. I do think, and this is something we haven't talked about. I still think that they're going to play all 12 games because you think about teams like you. This is actually a good point that Steve East made when we had him on last week talking about the last dance. Of course, you know, he's been in the UCA athletic department for a long time. And if UCA doesn't get that game, I can't remember who they are playing. Uh, but I know that Arkansas State plays Michigan. And you think about Michigan or, or Arkansas State losing out on the money that they're going to make, what would probably be a million, million and a half dollars. That's devastating to a program. So whatever whatever uh, bigger school, the FBS team that UCA is going to be playing and all the other schools that do that, 
got to think about that kind of revenue that's yeah. that they're missing out on. I mean, that's devastating, not just to a sports program, but a university overall. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely financially and for our own sanity has to come back. There's no doubt about that. We we need it back. And we say that. I feel like when you and I get together, this is how it always goes. We always just, we got to have sports back. And it's not just for the show, for what we do, for for for. You know the writing that that Kyle and Porter and Jacob do, or for the YouTube show that I do, or for this very podcast. It's like I just want to be able to sit down and watch football. I'll tell you that first game when it does happen, when it does come back, it doesn't matter if it's Arkansas State plays Tulsa. It doesn't matter if it's like a horrible Power Five school, okay, Arkansas for example, versus you know I don't know a, a, a North Texas again. Oof. That's a tough. That's a tough one. I know I shouldn't have said that, but that will be the most watched game in that program's history, and nationally, it'll be the most watched game maybe in the history of football. I mean, people are going to flock to the opportunity of being able to watch a live football game again. Maybe not the most watched football game in history, but you know what I'm saying. At least in college football, or uh, especially for those schools, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Everyone's going to want to want to watch live football again and it's I'm getting tired of don't don't get me wrong I love watching highlights and I watch a lot of highlights and I think you do too and 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 Jacob does as well and Porter we all try to keep up with it and and but there's only so much that you can watch and I love watching War Machines videos you know you can go back and watch you know Arkansas through the history of of uh, of its program I mean the guy has videos dating back decades and it's fun to do that but we've we've got to get back to live football we've got to get we have to get back to something up to date live here now happening and that's that's just I don't know it's 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 like eating I don't know it's like eating off-brand cereal for breakfast versus the real thing I don't know if you're a big like I gotta have my cornflakes in the morning, right? You don't eat off-brand cornflakes. You don't eat the off-brand stuff. Next topic, and I wanted to touch on this really quick, um, was the Twitter poll. And we're kind of transitioning to football here for a second. We had a Twitter poll on HTP, and I posted on the Pig Trail community page as well. Will the Razor will will the Razorbacks will the football program have a player or players selected in the first round of the NFL draft within the next two years? If you picked yes and are feeling bold, tell us who that player is. Uh, Fifty nine, right at about sixty percent, said that Arkansas would versus obviously the forty percent said no. Um, I was I wasn't really surprised at the responses. I really only agreed with one of them. And that was Pinto, you know, shocker. Um, Pinto said Ricky Stromberg gave them their, 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 had the highest chance of being drafted in the first round. And he will be draft eligible, not this next draft, but the following. That'll be after his junior season at Arkansas. Uh, I agree with that. But, Kyle, I saw so many uh, Rakeem Boyd tweets. Like, it was it was pretty much unanimous, or it felt unanimous that everyone thinks Boyd is a first-round talent, followed by Traylon Burks. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion on that. I, I never did get a response. Or I, I don't even think I asked you guys your opinions on that, but I wanted to get your response to that. What, what do you think on that, and what do you think about the opinion of Boyd, according to a lot of people who responded to the poll, being a potential first-round pick in the next draft? Yeah, I wanted to save mine for the pod, and I, I will say that, and I've gone on record, I don't know how many times I've said it on here, but when I was still doing Tex Hogs, I said on a few different occasions that I think an overall talent, overall just running back ability, 
and I that I believe that he is the second best running back to come through. Now, has he proven that fully? No. But besides Darren McFadden, I think he's the second best running back in terms of overall talent that has come through the University of Arkansas. And I still don't think that we have seen the best of him yet. However, in today's NFL, we saw it with this past draft. I know that Clyde Edwards-Hillier got right there at the very last pick of the first round. Unless you are an elite talent like an Ezekiel Elliott, like a Todd Gurley, one of those. Now, I know they went in the top ten. Of course, Ezekiel went in the top five. It is just not that common to see running backs drafted, especially in the top of the first round, let alone really the first round anymore. I think last year we maybe had one or two. I really can't remember their names, but I know that it's becoming less It's becoming less common every single year. And with Rakeem's injury history, that has to play a part in it as well. So do I think that he – that if we see the very best of him in his senior season, that maybe he could develop into like a second or third round? Yes, I do believe that. I just don't think that he would ever – I don't think that he really has a chance of going in the first round. That's I would love to see that, but I think that there is two first round I, – I agree uh, with what with what you had said about Pinto. I, I, my, I just had a brain fart and didn't even remember if you said it on here, but I know we talked about it before we started recording. But I think that there are two first – first-round draft pick talents on this team right now, and that's Traylon Burks and Ricky Stromberg can develop into that as he continues to develop his game overall and continues to build bulk. So I think that those are the only two guys that would have a chance as it stands right now would be first-round talents. Of course, got a long way to go to decide that, but that's the way that I feel in terms of as it stands right now. I I don't fully disagree with that I don't know about him being the second best running back myself I would probably make the case for Alex Collins obviously um I mean you know the guy rushed for a thousand yards every year he was here and a lot of that don't get me wrong he absolutely benefited from strong offensive lines by the time he left we had a somewhat decent passing game and and a lot of things have to come along with that but I I don't argue though that Boyd is absolutely NFL talent I don't know where I would put him in the draft. I have no idea. We all know there's a lot that goes into that. What are the other running backs at the position at, the, at you know by this time next year or well I guess several months back? But um, we also have to he has to perform on the field. And the guy has done something that nobody talks about in SEC play. He averages north of five and a half yards per carry in SEC play. Against arguably the two worst offensive lines we've ever seen on that campus. we have ever seen. Or I agree with against. that. Playing I behind. I agree with that. And so really, I kind of put a giant question mark as to we haven't seen him at his best. We haven't seen him behind a decent offensive line in an actual functioning offense. I mean, the 30% installed offense, offense BS, I, that, that was never a functioning offense. I mean, that goes without saying. And yet the guy still rust for a thousand yards you know he had nearly a thousand total yards his first year on campus and we all saw I mean that both years combined these offenses were terrible and yet he still uh, showed out I do believe that if this is a and again things have to go back to normal so on and so forth we get it COVID's still a factor but if we have a if we have a 2020 season and this is a functioning offense with an improved offensive line like I think it, it will be especially with Ricky Stromberg coming back for his sophomore year, 
and you don't have a makeshift offensive line in front of you any longer. You've got a little bit more experience up front, and you have true. You don't have a former defensive tackle playing guard. You know, you've got guys that played the position all through high school, and now they're all up front blocking for for Arkansas with Sam Pittman, the offensive line like genius, as your head coach. I know he's not going to be coaching these guys exclusively, but still, you know he's going to implement a certain amount of toughness to line of scrimmage play. This all is only going to benefit Rakeem Boyd. But you got to have all these other things factor in. You got to have a passing game. You got to have a competent quarterback. You got to have better skill position players. You got to have a tight end that's willing to block. And we know they've kind of missed out there. You know, Cheyenne O'Grady left and all that drama happened a year ago. And, and Hudson Henry, is he a true, really a true blocking slash pass catching tight end? There's a lot of things you got to factor in for Rakeem Boyd to even be thought of as a first round draft pick. And I, I, I personally don't think he's a first-round caliber running back, but I do. I'm with you on. I could see him going between the second and fourth round, uh, and that's where the most quality, the high, really the the real quality picks are between the second and fourth round. So I I really do believe he could. He's he's got the the ability to play at the next level. But I saw him mentioned a lot, and I think it just. I get it. I get what people are saying. He's been the only real bright spot on the offense for two years in a row, and. You know, when you had Chad Morris in that, I guess you call that offense, uh, that RPO disaster, and yet he's still out here shining. That says 30% a lot. of it. Yeah. I I do agree, though. It's, I think the guy with the highest chance is Ricky Stromberg. I do see Burks as a potential. Like, he, we all know. I had a whole podcast where I just dedicated to him being the next F-O-N, the next freaking nature, baby. That's what he is. Bert, Traylon Burks is a freak. You're not supposed to be 6'3 half, 225 pounds, and return punts like the way that he does to move like he does. Are you kidding me? I don't know what his 40 time is. I'm not telling you he's going to go to the NFL Combine, assuming he stays healthy and is actually invited to the Combine in a couple of years. I'm not I'm not saying he's going to go to the Combine and do what Matt Jones did at 6'6", 242 pounds, running a 4'3", 740. I'm not saying that but the guy moves like a gazelle and that's not common for someone that size and yet here he is he's a freak of nature I'm standing by that I could absolutely see Stromberg and Burks as as true first round potential like I, I absolutely see that um but I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't put him on my list right now as for sure first round talent but I, I was I honestly thought that nope would be the answer. I really thought it would be like 70% no, 30% yes. And I was surprised when it was 60% yes to 40% no. Um, but, I mean, hey, the, at least fans aren't wallowing, right? I mean, without football, with the last three years being disastrous, they're not wallowing. They feel like there's, hey, there's potential there, and that's okay. Um, I guess I'll just have to reach out to Jacob. And I think Porter I think Porter said something in chat. He felt like there there could be. Or no, no, no. Porter was the opposite. Porter was with, with me. He said probably not. Um, so, but yeah, that was a, an interesting poll. I, every once in a while we'll post we'll post stuff like that. Follow us on Twitter at uh, Hog Talk. You can find that information. And of course, I I also posted it on the YouTube channel as well on the PTN community page. Uh, the last thing I guess we can touch on is just some recruiting updates. Um, I had felt really strongly about Caden Salter, four-star dual threat quarterback out of the state of Texas, I believe is the number one dual threat quarterback out of, out of the state of Texas. Um, I'd felt two weeks ago and I'm not, you know, I don't ever name the people that I talked to, but I, 
I did have more than one person telling me that they felt very favorably just two weeks ago that he was going to be a hog. And they also said separately, expect a an or a commitment soon. But they wouldn't say that it was Caden Salter. And I thought the stars were lining up. But I thought, oh, it's Caden Salter. And then what happens? Two days later, Caden Salter releases his – or no, it was, it was further back than that if I remember right. But he had said, okay, I'm going to put out my – I'm going to commit and I'm going to go public with it here really soon. I forgot the date. Do you have the date? It's like May – uh, so Salter is committing on May 10th. May 10th. Okay. Yeah. So then that comes out and I'm thinking, oh, he's committing to Arkansas. And we talked about in the hog talk chat. I said, oh, he's, oh, well, there you go. You know, I told you guys here it is. And then, uh, Jacob had brought up, I don't think that's going to be the case. And, uh, so doing a little bit more research, doing a little digging, I, I have to agree. I don't believe Caden Salter, the four-star dual threat quarterback is going to be a Razorback. Anything could happen. I know we've been burned on this before last year. I think a couple of times it happens. You know, these are 17, 16, 17, 18 year old kids we're talking about. They change their minds, you know, at the drop of a, at the drop of a hat. But, um, I don't feel very confident in him, but there was a quarterback, I guess just here recently that was crystal balled by Danny West. Is that right, Kyle? Yeah. So, uh, Danny, we talked about, quarterback I guess you can kind of say future controversies last week on the pod and Lucas Coley was one of the ones that we had mentioned out of San Antonio Cornerstone Christian yep. and he's the 25th dual dual threat quarterback in the country 107th player overall in Texas got about 30 offers got a lot of the Ivy League schools Houston some of the smaller FBS only two power five offers being Washington State and Arkansas but Danny West, as Ty mentioned, on uh, so I guess when this drops, it'll be Friday, but on Thursday, he crystal balled him to Arkansas, which Coley is committing on Cinco de Mayo, so next week. And it's looking like all signs will be that he will be the second quarterback taken alongside Landon Rogers in the 2021 class. And I'm really kicking myself, because I, I think I mentioned last week, I know I told I Porter, and Jacob that I literally lived like – two blocks away from Lucas's school when I was still in San Antonio. And I wish I would have caught a game last year because I, mean, I could hear their loudspeaker from my apartment uh, my apartment balcony. So I, I'm really wishing that I would have uh, checked him out then. I haven't really watched any of his film. But all signs, at least as of right now, unless something crazy happens, are pointing towards him being the other quarterback that they take in the next year's class. I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to watch some some video on him. And I watched a lot on really every quarterback that's committed the last several years to Arkansas and ultimately signed. Um, but obviously Coley, I think he was, he was just offered by Arkansas uh, back on April 15th. Uh, and then shortly after, Washington State, two days later, gave him an offer. And then his most recent offer was on the 18th by uh, UNLV. Uh, he... You know, again, he's not. I, I see him. They have two different heights measured for him. I see one at six foot and then another at six two. So obviously, the, the kid's growing. Uh, but according to twenty four seven Sports, he's the uh, yeah number the composite scoring or rating. He's the twenty fifth overall dual threat in the state, or actually in the country. And then the number one hundred seventh ranked overall player in the state of Texas, which we all know Texas. That doesn't mean crap. If you're if you're in the top 200 in the state of Texas, you're doing okay. 
uh, and he's at 107. I mean, that in itself is its, its own. It's just recruiting. It's the recruiting haven of of college football or high school football. So, um, yeah, Cornerstone Christian. I, I. It looks to me like he's going to be a hog. That's going to be your next uh, your next quarterback alongside uh, Rogers. So. Um, Landon Rogers, who's six foot four, about 220, 215 pounds. I have watched quite a bit of his, and I talked about it last week. I do still think of him as a project. Uh, it looks a little rough in some areas, but golly, man, when he gets outside the pocket, he is such a – I mean, again, some people have drawn comparisons, and obviously he's not a Tim Tebow clone. Anyone who's saying that, please kindly see the exit door. But – He's definitely got that physicality, and he's big, strong, and fast. He's got a hell of an arm as, as far as arm strength. Um, and he, you know, don't get me wrong. There's some mechanic things I see, and I'm no expert, but just based on the years I've been watching film, there are some things that stand out. His arm strength does stand out a little bit to me, but his ability outside the pocket is uh, pretty fabulous. I mean, he's, again, he doesn't look, when you watch him run, it's kind of like, should someone that size be that quick? You know, that's kind of what I get from Landon Rogers. So I, I do think he'll be a project. That doesn't mean that he can't develop into one hell of a quarterback. We've seen that time and time again across even just the SEC. And I certainly think he's – I think his ceiling is unknown, and we'll learn more about him. Unfortunately, we're supposed to have camps right now. We're supposed to be having camps, and you're supposed to have a better idea of what these kids can do and what their capabilities are. But obviously, thanks to COVID, um, those camps are – postponed or canceled so we don't really know we're in the dark on a lot of these kids but uh i have tried to reach out to some people to know to know uh, with no success as far as just finding out more about landon but uh, hopefully we'll get some more information on him relatively soon and also uh coley as well lucas coley so uh did we get everything kyle i feel like we're leaving something out i can't uh, there's one more thing uh, jersey is. wolfenberger there it is wolfenberger from uh, fort smith Northside, a uh, five-star, number 18th-ranked player for the class of 2021, uh, gave her verbal to Coach Neighbors. I believe it was on uh, this past Monday. So, where this is really big, obviously getting a five-star. I don't know. I don't know if Arkansas women's basketball has actually ever gotten a five-star. I have no idea. But in the history of, and you date back to Whitney Zacharyson, Crystal Boyd, uh, most more recently Kristen Williams. You get an offer from UConn for women's basketball, and I mean, even way back before then, if you got one from Tennessee from Pat Summit, there was just no chance you were staying in state. In state. Now, some of that was probably because of uh, who was coaching at the time, but this is, in as far as I know, the biggest recru- biggest uh, commit that we've ever gotten for women's basketball. And so, Coach Neighbors really is. We knew when he came in what a big time coach he was. Of course, taking the University of Washington to a Final Four before he had came to the University of Arkansas, but just seeing what he has been able to do in his th- now three years here has just been nothing short of phenomenal. And getting her, she's she was 5'6 last year, and now she's 6'5", and she's a point guard. Oh, my God. So he's trying to really compete not just with the elite of the elite. Well, I guess, yes, it is the elite of the elite, like South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina, of course, had players that – on their bench that could have taken just about anybody in the country. Uh, if they would have not uh, had their season ended due to COVID, there's no, I don't think that there was maybe anybody excluding Oregon that could have competed with them, but uh, he's really going after uh, some 
some really, really intriguing, amazing prospects, and we got one just in our backyard. And so a big shout-out to Coach Neighbors. Of course, just got the uh, the number one grad transfer in the country a couple of weeks ago, and now you get the 18th overall player in the entire country for 21. So really, really, uh, really solid team they're building up there with Coach Neighbors. It's going to be exciting. It's uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to get back. And you know Porter and I went to several games last year and covered them, and it was, uh, I mean, you could just see this is a better brand of women's basketball, you know, that they that they haven't had on campus in a while. And now you're bringing in these big time transfers. Now you got this big time five star in your backyard that's going to be on your roster next year. You know, it's uh, it's going to be there's even that much more momentum and hype and excitement than what there was this last year with what you have coming back on the on the ladies roster this next coming season and then this big time recruit and the transfer oh my gosh they're going to be uh again they're going to be a problem for the SEC to deal with and that's it's always good to see the Razorbacks excelling and it's good to see them back in women's basketball I think you could absolutely you could make the statement women's basketball is back on the university or at, at, on in Fayetteville at the university and that's a good thing obviously to see and it's even more exciting when you get to go watch them play. And uh, I hope more people will show up next year because it, it is an ex- it's an exciting brand of basketball. It's, it's, it's an exciting brand of women's basketball. It was really fun and entertaining to watch last year. So I think that's going to do it for this latest episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to uh, to give us some some star power. Rate and review the podcast if you would be so kind on iTunes. And uh, on behalf of everyone here at the Hog Talk Podcast, we'll see you guys on the next one. Woo Pig Suey. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.